0: Welcome to Mind Your Business. I am Merger Maven, Stephen Meadows. It's been a while since I've uh, decided to grace the airwaves with my voice, but uh, here I am, and uh, I've got quite a bit to talk about. It's been a crazy busy year. Uh, It's been quite a while since I've had a chance to, to podcast, so I'm happy to be back. I'm actually in an official recording studio for this. I rent a small... Workspace shared area in Stanton, Virginia, where I now reside. And they have a recording studio with like sound equipment and like noise dampening stuff. It's pretty slick. So I just want to give everybody a really fast update on what I've been up to since it's been a while. So, most of you follow me on social media, you know that I've been very busy. Uh, since the beginning of this year, I have done three mergers with my company. We merged with a company in Delaware, Virginia beach, and Pennsylvania. So we have tr- more than tripled the size of the, of the real estate company that I work. That's Cobalt Banker Premier. Uh, I'm super pumped about that. And because of that growth, I was actually, uh, honored as a, a recipient of the 2022 real trends, emerging leaders, Award. So uh designation, classification, whatever you want to call it. Uh super thrilled about that. I was like I was absolutely blown away that I won. So big thanks to my boss, Steve De for nominating me. Uh it was it was lucky because this was the last year that I could qualify for because you had to be under 40 years old and I turned the big 4-0 next February on Valentine's Day of 2023. And uh yeah kind of crazy. Also bought a house, relocated to Stanton, Virginia. That's spelled S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N. Uh, I was told that they actually named it that or spelled it that way so they could tell who was from here and who wasn't. So if you said, oh, I'm, I'm from Staunton, they would know that you weren't because you're saying it incorrectly. So anyway, Stanton's a fabulous place. Uh, I've been been here for a few months now and absolutely love it. Excited to be back on the airwaves. I don't know about you, but it's been—it's—I've experienced a crazy market. Um, I, you know, I've—I've I've been through a lot of markets. You know, uh, just the other day was my 21st anniversary of getting my real estate license, so I've seen a lot, been through a lot. I've uh, been through the the big, the the big recession, you know, the great recession back in 2008. Uh, I started selling real estate right after 9-11 or two weeks before, actually, 9-11. And um, yeah, it's well, more than two weeks, I guess, it's about a month before 9-11. But uh, this market's been weird. Uh, so it's kind of the reverse of what happened when I was in uh, Nashville, where it turned from foreclosures to regular overnight. Um, this is really, it was like a, everybody slammed on the brakes. The interest rates shot up about a percent or so overnight. Everybody freaked out. And we're now seeing kind of the results of that. Uh, in our markets overall, we're seeing about a 25% drop in sold units. Now, that's what I want to talk about today. People panic. With the littlest bumps in the road, and yeah, it, June and July were not fun months. Um, they were they were very uh, uncertain times. The market stunk. Units were down. Agents didn't know what was happening. And that brings me to my point. So, in this business, as agents, so I'm speaking directly to real estate agents now. It is our job to communicate market changes to our clients and customers and to represent what's going on as accurately as we can. Unfortunately, the news media does a great job of fear-mongering, and I'm not here to knock the news media as a whole, but it does drive me crazy when every single day on Facebook, on LinkedIn, whatever, whatever platform I'm on... I see headlines like, are prices plummeting? Is this the next recession? Is the housing bubble going to pop? Those kinds of things. The answer is no. (laughs) Uh, We're not expecting a massive drop in the housing market. We're expecting a normalization of the market. We're not expecting values to drop. We are expecting prices to adjust to normal levels. So instead of overpaying you know, $20,000, $30,000 over the appraised value of the property, buyers are now going to be paying closer to appraised value. So the value of the home isn't what's changing. It's how much a buyer is willing to pay for the property. So A seller is not going to lose out on the true value of their home. What they might lose out on is the potential windfall that they could have gotten had they sold six months ago. That does not mean the market is crashing. That does not mean values are plummeting. The house is worth what the house is worth. What the buyer is willing to pay for that house is what is changing. But we're still in a seller's market. A seller's market, for those of you who don't know, which if you're a real estate agent, I hope you do know, but seller's market is essentially if there's less than six months of inventory on the market, a buyer's market is if there's more than six months of inventory on the market, meaning it takes an average of 180 days to sell once you list the property. That's a balanced market. Six months is a balanced market. Above or below that switches from between a seller and a buyer's market. We're still in like the 30 to 45 day range we're way, way, way deep into seller's market territory. This was football. We're talking like the five-yard line. <laughs> you know, we're still way, way over uh, the on the other side. Um, we're nowhere near the fifty-yard line. Pardon my horrible football analogies. I'm not a sports person, but you know, it seemed apt at the time. So sellers are still in a great position to sell. But when you list a house, it's not going to be, we're going to list it for 350. We'll probably sell around 375 with 15 offers, uh, you know, with a, a cash, you know, cash waiver on appraisal and that that the whatever, whatever, whatever. It'll be, well, we're probably gonna to need to price around 345. We may have to come up with some concessions for the buyer. So, you know, you know, the the real sales price may be around the 340 mark. That's still reasonable. Uh, That does not mean that you lost $35,000 in value. You lost the potential gain that you would have gotten had you sold at a different time in the market and that a ready, willing, and able buyer would have shelled out the extra 30 grand or so to buy the house over appraised value. Appraisers have done a fairly good job of sticking pretty conservative to the numbers. I'll give them credit. They got burned pretty badly in the great recession. And so they've been a little cautious. It's been a little frustrating for some people, but that's when buyers with cash, I don't know where all these people keep coming up with buckets of money. Uh, send some my way. I'm, I'm here willing to take it from you. Um, donate it to charity. The Steven Meadows Foundation is always taking donations, but, um, if buyers have buckets of money they want to dump, that's great. There's been another article about, you know, oh, equity. Oh, you know, people are going to be upside down on their mortgage. Not likely. Again, if you're not familiar with the term upside down, basically what that means is you owe more than the house is appraised for or is worth, essentially. Well, if you bought a house for $350 and you paid you bought the house for 350, it appraised for 325 and the mortgage was for, you know, let's say 315. If the house is still worth 325, you're not upside down on your mortgage. You don't have the equity that you thought you did because you paid 350 for it. So you might be upside down on the price you paid for the house but that does not mean that you are upside down on your mortgage your mortgage is still less than what you what you owe or what the house is worth. So just because the house is worth now 325 versus the 350 that you overpaid for it as long as your mortgage isn't based on the 350 number you're good which in most cases the, the appraiser held firm and the value of the house would have been probably closer to that 325 mark, but you bid it up and you had to have that house. And so you put it, you know, 25, I'll pay $25,000 over appraisal, you know, for this house. That's your problem. That is not underwater. So I think there's this misconception about what that means. And I think it's dangerous to to kind of create that narrative because people are going to start panicking and they'll think they're underwater when they're really not. You might be underwater on what you paid and you might kiss that extra 25 grand goodbye, or it may take you another five or six years to gain it back, but, um, you're not underwater. So always check before you freak out. Uh, I get really tired of these headlines and I tell my agents all the time like we have got to be the calming voice in the industry we're the market experts we're the ones that have to tell this story there's no such thing as a national real estate market think of it on a weather um, a, a weather analogy what's the national weather I don't know what does that even mean what's the average what's the average temperature in the United States I don't know 62. Cause it could be hundred in California and like 20 in Wisconsin. So me telling you the average temperature is going to be 62 today. Doesn't help you plan your wardrobe. Do I wear shorts or do I put on a parka? There is no such thing as a national real estate market either. It's very local. And sometimes it's hyper local. One neighborhood can be a complete microcosm to the entire market, to the entire city or wherever you know, county or whatever it's in. It doesn't. It doesn't pay to talk about real estate on that global national scale. It it really just adds to confusion and it's just a bunch of noise. So when you're talking about the market, keep it local, keep it positive. There is a winner in every market. There's not necessarily a loser, but there's always a winner. There's always someone that's going to have a better advantage. In a seller's market, it's the seller. In a buyer's market, it's the buyer in a foreclosure driven market it's investors uh, which would be classified as buyers but first time home buy you know you can break these these categories down further like is it first- time home buyers is it investors is it you know are you in the luxury market or are you in the regular market my last point I'm gonna make on this topic is, I went to a luxury summit out in Los Angeles in June, because that's the kind of fun, cool stuff I get to do as COO. Oh, yeah. In case you didn't know, I was promoted at the beginning of the year to chief operating officer, and I'm also the vice president of my homeowners association. Big whoop. Uh, You don't care. It's fun for me, though. The, The luxury summit, they made it pretty clear that they're not worried about the luxury market right now. Because that market is not dependent on affordability as much. Those people have more liquid assets. They have more cash they can put down. They can, they can finagle things. Like they can buy down their rate. They can put more money down. They can make the numbers work to their advantage. Where you're going to see the problem is this cascading effect down the line. People are getting bumped out of their price ranges because of the interest rates the interest rates were still amazing. I would still have killed for these rates in my early years in the business. Uh, absolutely killed for them. My first home that I purchased was a 7%. My first loan that I did uh, as an agent was at 10%. So five and a quarter, five and an eighth, whatever, five and a half, still amazing. It's awesome. My The best mortgage rate I ever had on a purchase before I bought my house now was 5%. So, You know, these are great rates, but I bought my house in January, 3.35, not bad. Had I locked in a week earlier, I would have been at two, eight, five. I'm not bitter about it, but it annoys me because my appraiser, the appraiser wasn't my appraiser, the appraiser dragged his feet and it delayed things. And I got screwed out of a half a percent on my interest rate, which is costing me about 900 bucks a year. Thank you very much. I even offered to rush it and the guy wouldn't do it. Anyway, I'm not bitter. I promise. Yes, I am. (laughs) So that my house payment now would buy me a hundred thousand dollars less of a house six months later. If I want to keep my payment, if I wanted to move now, if I wanted to keep the same payment, I'd be buying a hundred grand less which in my neighborhood there is nothing. I would have to leave my entire neighborhood and I'm not even sure what I could find in my city that wouldn't be some kind of a fixer upper or in a crummy neighborhood. That's the reality for a lot of people. I was in this price range, I was looking at 400, now I'm in the 280s or I'm in the 300 low 300s or whatever. We're hearing it all the time, there's a vastly different type of house between 400 and 250 or even 300 That's what you're going to see is this cascading effect. So the $400,000 buyers are looking at three. The threes are now pushed down into the twos. The twos are now pushed further. Or even if they're in the same bracket, now there's more competition. Now, instead of 20 people looking in the 200s, there are 50 people looking in the 200s because they all got shoved down into lower brackets. Or buyers are looking lower just to hedge their bets. So it's really the lower ends of the market that are gonna get squeezed, not the luxury upper end. So if you're specializing in luxury, you're probably gonna be doing okay for a while. I've blathered on about this long enough. I could probably blather on another 16 or 17 minutes at least. But I'm gonna go ahead and draw this to a close. It's been awesome to talk to you guys again. Um, Please. Like and share if this is on social media. Uh, If you're on Spotify or something like that, you know, put it out on your social media, you know, for me, push the share button. I would love to get a a larger listenership. I'd want to get back to the question and answers I used to do. I get this recording studio time every month, so I'm really going to try hard to focus on this and crank out a little bit of content. I'm going to try to diversify a little bit, not just real estate. I want to talk mergers. I want to talk business in general, maybe some motivational type stuff, but um, I'm so excited to be back and thank you for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Get out there and make great choices.